You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. What we're doing today is we're going to finish out the 18th chapter of Luke. And as you see up on the screen here, I would encourage you, go ahead and flip to Luke 18. But I want to remind you about what it is that we're doing. We are going through Luke's gospel, verse by verse. The purpose behind it is what you see up there. Jesus, that wonderful, glorious person that we just sang that song about, the reason he is so important is because he is vital for exactly that, God's plan for salvation. The redemption of humanity back into fellowship with himself, without Jesus, it doesn't happen. So what we're doing is we're going verse by verse through Luke's gospel, and we are looking to to see really the life and ministry of our Lord. So is everybody at Luke 18? We're going to be starting in verse 31 today. So let me go ahead and read Luke 18, starting in verse 31. And this I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked, treated shamefully and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him, but on the third day he will rise again. We could stop right there and we could go home because that right there is the entirety of the life of Christ, his work. But most importantly, verse 33, on the third day, he will rise again. That is talking about the resurrection and that's Christianity in a nutshell. But nonetheless, we're going to continue. Verse 34, but they, talking about his disciples, they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them and they failed to grasp what he was, what he was talking about. So they heard what Jesus was saying, but it didn't didn't quite register in their brain. And it's not going to register until really the the very end. So I think that is important for us to cover today. But what we're going to look at today is actually verses 35 and down through the end of the chapter. We don't want to omit anything as we go kind of verse by verse because all of it is important. But what I want us, want us to look at here today is found, let's go ahead and read, starting in verse 35. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and read through uh, verse 43, and then we're going to come back and we're going to begin to unpack this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God, and all who saw it praised God too. 
Isn't that awesome? So we are anchored in Luke's gospel. Now, there's a fancy term known as the synoptic gospels. That's referring to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's gospel is in a category all on its own. But when we look at Luke's account of this story, and if your Bible has uh, cross-references, I don't know if that's the right term, but if it references Matthew, um, I didn't write it down, but it's Matthew and Mark's gospels, both record this as well. So what I like to do, and I encourage you in your own Bible study, if you don't do this already, read what happened in Luke, but then go read the parallel. That's the word I was looking for, parallel. Thanks for nothing, Dennis. Uh, parallel to bring in additional details. That way we have one account of what happened. So let me show you why this is important. If we take what Matthew's account says, it seems to contradict what Luke is saying. Why? Because Matthew has two blind men, not just one. Like, okay. When you, you have critics of the Bible, they're out there. They say, ah, see, that's a contradiction. The whole Bible is phony. They do stuff like that. But we need to understand why Matthew said that there were two. And there may have been two, but Luke only records one. So why is that? Matthew wrote his gospel to who? Jews. In the Jewish culture, one person saying something wasn't trustworthy. How many did you have to have? Two. Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews so that other Jews could read it. They would get that and be like, okay, yeah, this, this account is legit. But we also see something very, very interesting that Matthew records that Luke didn't. Now, did Luke omit it for any reason? No. But one thing that, that Jesus says about this is that he was moved with compassion when he saw this blind man. Why is that important? Because the Bible needs to tell us the nature and character of God, not our imagination. So if we look at just Luke's account, let me give you an example. If we just read that, it's like, okay, it's like, oh my gosh, okay, come over here. What do you want me to do for you? You want to see? Okay, see. Our minds can kind of go there. But if we look at what Matthew's account says, that he was moved with compassion, that is his nature and his character. He looked on this blind man or blind men, blind man or blind men, and he was moved with compassion and said, come here. So that's Matthew's account. Mark's account actually gives us this guy's name, Bartimaeus. He was also the son of Timaeus. Now, if you know anything about Bible study, why would someone's name be important, much less his father's name? It's interesting because, let, let me jump back to verse 43. Instantly the man could see he followed Jesus, praising God. We're going to get to this point a little bit later. How long did he follow Jesus? We don't know. But for Mark to record Bartimaeus' name, much less his father's name, he must have been someone 
pretty well known within the early church. So what we're looking at here today possibly could be a life-altering transformation encounter with God that led to years, possibly decades, of living for the Lord. Possibly. Mark's account also gives us another interesting detail. Bartimaeus refers to him, the term that he uses in here is Rabboni, or rabbi, teacher, leader, master. That's important because it wasn't just what the Lord did for him, it was the response that Bartimaeus had. And that was, I submit, I surrender to your lordship everything I do from here on out, I am going to serve you. But the key verse to this passage is found in verse 42. Let me go ahead and read verse 42 again. Verse 42 says, and Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Underline this next part. Your faith has healed you. Or your faith has made you well. Your belief and trust in me is what made you well. Now, with Jesus as God in human form, could he perform that miracle and then just kind of keep on moving? Could he perform a miracle for someone who couldn't believe? Absolutely, he could. But what he is talking about here, your faith, your trust, your belief in who I am has made you well. It wasn't any actions. It wasn't any you know, good deeds being that blind beggar sitting out there you know, doing whatever blind beggars do, but helping other people. It wasn't anything that he earned is, is the point that I'm trying to, to make. Now, what we're going to talk about today is a topic that everybody here has heard of, has, or has taught someone else, and that is the issue of faith. Here's a definition of faith that I heard a long time ago, and I've stuck with it because it just, in one sentence, sums everything up in regards to spiritual faith. Faith is relinquishing trust in ourselves and placing that into the Lord. Faith is relinquishing trust in ourselves and placing that into the Lord. And so we're going to do a simple Baptist three-point sermon today. Hopefully get out early. Not as early as last week. That was 1045. We were having breakfast in there, uh, second Sunday social. But uh, three points today, and we're going to keep this very, very simple. Again, this may not be anything brand new for you, but I want you to approach it this way, that it may be for that person that you are or will be discipling soon that you can explain clearly the basics of faith, things to, to be reminded about when it comes to our faith. Number one, faith is not just believing, but trusting. Faith is not just believing, but trusting. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and put this up. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. 
And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified with you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Now, what I did when I made this slide was I highlighted three words in there. Hearing, believing, and trusting. We hear the word of God. We hear it. Sometimes it goes one ear, one in one ear, out the other. That happened to me for the longest time. But then you start to believe it. Okay, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that his Bible, his word is true. But do we trust it? I think that's where, for me, you may be completely different, but for me, that's where I got hung up, is how can I trust in someone or something that I can't see? I'm a tangible guy. I need tangible things, see it, touch it, you know, smell it, all that kind of stuff. That's how my fallen brain works. So let me, based on those three words, I want to use this chair as an example. I've heard about chairs my whole life. You got cushy chairs, you got reclining chairs, you got easy chairs, you got lazy boys, you got all kinds of stuff. I've heard that chairs are so good. Everybody here has a chair. Everybody at home has a chair. I've heard my whole life that chairs are really, really good. And I've heard that they're sturdy. I've heard that they are very, very sturdy. I believe that this chair is comfy, is ergonomically correct to where it will lead to good posture for me. I believe that this chair will hold me if I were to sit in it. Boy, I hope this works. We didn't rehearse this. <laughs> YouTube fail videos, here we come. I believe that this chair can do that. I could stop right there. But where is the action in that? Where is the trust? Again, based on Ephesians 1, 12, and 13, I've heard it, I believe it, but where is the trust? At what point do I trust this chair? I'll show you. Oh boy, that is nice. You guys should try a chair just like this one. This is, whoo, man. That's what that verse is talking about. And in regards to faith, we have to hear the word of God. We may believe it, but at what point do we begin to trust in that? Now, the chair was a good example, or an easy example example, because that was something tangible. That was something that I could physically sit in, I could physically touch, I could check and make sure that it was sturdy before I did that. But I want to go back to Bartimaeus, this account found in Luke 18, because Bartimaeus, this blind man, heard that Jesus was coming. He heard it. He's like, are you for real? He heard all of this commotion. And he's like, well, what's going on? Somebody explain it to me. I said, 
What did they say? Let me quote it exactly. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, here's an interesting term, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus understood who Jesus was. See, we could go all the way back to 2 Samuel chapter 7 and look at the eternal Davidic covenant. For the sake of time, we're not going to do that, but I encourage you to go back and look at that. That is when the Lord made his covenant with David, saying, your descendant will be the Messiah, the eternal king. Bartimaeus knew that. That dude couldn't even see. He heard that Jesus the Nazarene was coming by and said, Jesus, son of David. In other words, the Messiah, the redeemer of not just Israel, but the redeemer of mankind, who, the one who has come to set us free, have mercy on me. Now that statement says a lot of, of different things that he knew that Jesus had mercy to spare. He knew that he had the ability to do that. Have mercy on me. I believe that you can heal me. I've heard that you can heal. I believe, oh, I believe that man who had the demons cast out of him, I believe that happened. I am trusting that you can set me free from this blindness. That was his faith. His faith made him well. His faith has healed him. Bartimaeus knew that, and so did Jesus. So our second point here this morning, the first point was faith is not just believing, but trusting. Our second point is faith is a gift that takes boldness. I heard a story one time about this guy who strung a wire on the US side over to the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. And what he did was he got that, that wire as tight as he could and he didn't just walk across, but he had a wheelbarrow. And on this tightrope, he walked pushing that wheelbarrow over to the other side. People clapped and oh wow, that is so awesome. He said, who thinks I can do it again back to the U.S. side? And everybody, yeah, crowd started cheering, all of this kind of stuff. He said, you believe I can do it? They said, yeah, absolutely. He said, okay. Then somebody hop in the wheelbarrow. <gasps> everybody said no. Believing and trusting are two different things. They believed that he could get to the other side walking that tightrope with the wheelbarrow, to trust would have been to sit inside that wheelbarrow and in style as to not tip your weight, but have him push you back to the other side. Now we talked about boldness. In the account of Bartimaeus, what he did was he stood up in the face of hostility. So look at verse 37 again. 
they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 39, be quiet. The people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. They were shushing him. That's a biblical case of shushing right there. And shush. They told him to be quiet. But again, it is. I want you to keep a, a laser focus. It was the faith of Bartimaeus. It was his faith that made him well. Now, it was the action of Christ that made him physically well. But the point that we're looking at here today is the faith of Bartimaeus. It was him saying, you son of David, you Messiah, you healer, you redeemer, I believe that you can do this for me. My faith is in who you are. The crowd starts to shush him. He's like, mm -mm, get off. He probably couldn't see them do that, but you know what I mean? He said even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. He stood boldly for what it is that he knew in his heart, in his gut, told him, Jesus the Nazarene is the one who can heal. He wasn't doing witchcraft, wasn't doing voodoo to, you know, make his eyes see. It was true physical as well as, we're going to see, spiritual healing. Bartimaeus stood boldly in the face of hostility. He heard it, he believed it, and he trusted despite what others thought. Despite all of these professional shushers out there saying, oh, no, shush. He stood up and said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Why is this important to us? We need to be bold in our faith. Not in our faith. That is trusting in him, not ourselves. Because if we relied on ourselves to get us out of any kind of jam or pickle that we ever get in, we're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Our faith should be trusting in Christ, not ourselves. Again, that definition of faith is relinquishing trust in ourselves and putting that trust into God. So our first point was faith is not just believing, but trusting. Our second point, faith is a gift that takes boldness. Number three, faith is something and I should have included this, that sometimes can be fleeting. Like I said before, in verse 43, instantly the man could see he followed Jesus, praising God, and all who saw it praised God too. That was the spiritual response, as well as the physical response from Bartimaeus. This blind man who was blind and then could all of a sudden see, he began to follow Christ. Other people around him began to praise God. Everybody who saw that, who witnessed that miracle, they began to praise God. But for how long? Again, we don't know that's the last we hear of Bartimaeus in the entire Bible. This 
passage right here. Like I said before, Mark's account leads us into a thought that maybe he was somebody who was pivotal in the New Testament church. We just don't know. But the point I want to get across to you this morning, when faith is sometimes is something that can sometimes be fleeting, when we see something so awesome like what we see here, whether in the pages of scripture or if we're here at church one morning and something miraculous happens spiritually, Someone is, is delivered, someone is set free by the Holy Spirit, not anything I do or the elders do or John or Tracy or anybody does up here. The Lord goes to work on them and the Lord sets them free from something. Praise God, that is so awesome. That bumps all of our faith. We would walk out of here saying, yeah, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But for how long? Do we forget it by the time we get to the car? After we have lunch, tomorrow morning, would we wake up and say, oh, something happened yesterday. I can't quite remember what. The point is things begin to fade over time. Why? Because we're human. We are human. Whenever something really good happens in our lives, we praise God. So, yes, everything is going so good. God, you cannot continue to bless me. I can't take all these blessings. That is such an awesome time. Our faith is riding high. But what about those times when our faith is so absolutely low? When we get painted into a corner, whether it's finances, whether whatever it may be, and we're sitting there and we are digging, I mean, dredging, trying to bring any kind of spiritual spark to what it is that our situation is, that's the point that I want to look at. Faith can sometimes be fleeting. It can leave us to where it's like, oh my gosh, remember that, that time that I got water baptized? I was riding high spiritually. I was never going to come down off that high. And then I came down off that high. When I came born again, that fire will never, ever go out. It hasn't. But sometimes it's kind of dwindled to just a pilot light if anybody can relate to that. Our faith can sometimes be fleeting. So what does this mean? Are we trusting in God? Or do we trust in ourselves? See, when I get painted into a corner, my sharp little mind can devise all of these ways to get me around this and get out of this. That's what I tell myself, ain't happening. I'm just fooling myself, prolonging the inevitable of going to the Lord. Lord, I need you. So when we trust God, I want to ask this question. Are we trusting in the God of the Bible? Or are we trusting in a God that we have made up here? What are you talking about? If I serve a God that only wants good for me, only wants good, when I get into a situation where something bad happens, I begin to question him. If he only wants me to be rich and I fall into a financial situation, that's not my fault. 
That's God's fault, right? When we follow a different God, the God of this Bible will correct us and say, I don't want just good for you. I want your heart. I want your trust. I want your obedience. That's what God wants. He doesn't just want good for us. Does he want good for us? Absolutely. But he wants our allegiance to him. He wants our faith in him. So when you see a lot of TV preachers, oh, God only wants good for you. God only wants good for you. I hope he's watching this. Only wants good for you. Just think positive, brother. When we do that, we are not following the God of the Bible. We are following a version of him where we handpick. Let me take this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture to make this a God that I want to serve versus the God of the Bible who demands obedience and faith. We should trust God for who he is, not for what he can do for us. So again, bringing it back to the account of Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus could have gone up to Jesus the Nazarene, the son of David that he knew, could have gotten his healing, and then, whew, see you, Jesus. Thanks, big guy. And went on with his life. He could have done that. But he didn't. He trusted in God for who he was, not for what he could do for him. Because it says in verse 43, instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, saying, I already got what I wanted, but now I trust in you so much that I'm going to follow you. He was also praising God, singing God's praises, not for what he could do for Bartimaeus, but for who he was. And all those who saw it praised God too. Again, we should trust in God for who he is, his nature, his character. How do we find out about God's nature and his character? Read your Bible. We see Old Testament, New Testament, his nature, his character, his love for us. We see that, not a version that we want him to be, that genie in a lamp. There are some people who preach that Christ out there. We preach the Christ of the Bible, the one who had compassion on Bartimaeus, who was moved with compassion and the one who saw a spiritual as well as a physical response to what it is that happened. Bartimaeus got his sight, yet he decided to follow Christ. So we should trust in God for who he is, not what he can do for us. In other words, our faith should not be conditional. If God does good for me, then I'll follow him. But when he stops, when there's something bad that comes up, oh, sorry, God, can't follow you today. When we sell out to Christ, when we submit to his lordship, 
We are following Jesus. Good, bad, ugly, otherwise, we follow him. Why? Because our faith is not in what we can do. Our faith is in what he did and what he can and will do for each and every one of us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to get together, to read and study your word. Father, we thank you for this account of Bartimaeus here in Luke 18. Father, we thank you for the lesson that we can pull from this, that we look and see that it was the faith of Bartimaeus that healed him in addition to Jesus's physical healing of this man, but Jesus rewarded him and said, your faith has made you well. Father, we want our faith to not be conditional. When things are good, we don't just want to follow you. We don't want to follow you just in the good times. Father, when we submit ourselves to you, that is every second of every day until we go to be with you. Father, our job is to be obedient to you and to trust you, not what you can do for us. And so, Lord, we just say thank you for this. We just ask that your Holy Spirit help us today and the rest of this week and the rest of our lives to help prompt us and lead us into following you with everything that we have. And when our faith begins to seem to waver, Father, we just ask for your help and your strength during that time to help us overcome that. Lord, we say thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.